Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, last week we kicked off a new sermon series called, uh, called If My People, and we've been in a season of prayer and fasting for the last 14 days. This is the last week of it corporately, but I'll just tell you that you can fast any time of the year, and I would encourage you to do that, to incorporate prayer and fasting as part of your spiritual disciplines of something that you do to connect to God uh, in a new way, in a new level, and this week I would encourage you to join your hearts with ours as, as we do this. In the sermon last week, we looked at a conversation that Solomon had with God in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14. Some of you could even quote this verse. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We recognize that this promise was for a specific person, a specific group of people at a specific time, and we are not that group of people, nor is it this time. But instead, what we can see from this are some principles that I believe that if we'll follow, that God too will hear our prayers. That if we'll humble ourselves, that we'll recognize that we're not God, he is. Let's start there. We'll humble ourselves, we'll pray and seek his face. And then finally, that we'll be people who repent, that we turn from our wicked ways and turn towards God, that he will hear our prayers. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to watch online on YouTube, Crosspoint, I mean, whatever, crosspointwaverly.com. What, I mean, I've only been saying it for eight and a half years now. I mean, like seriously. YouTube, crosspointwaverly.com, FaceTime, or listen on Spotify to last week's message. What did I say wrong now? FaceTime, not FaceTime. Facebook. I better slow my happy self down. Let's all just take a deep breath. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm ready. FaceTime. <laughs> How many would say that you need wisdom now more than ever? Well, I couldn't have timed that line any better. Well, I, I know I do. Last week in looking at the life of Solomon, God asked Solomon, he said, what do you want from me? I'll give you anything. It's better than like a, a, a rubbing a magic lamp with a genie popping out. The God of the universe, the creator of the universe said to Solomon, what is it that you want and whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And Solomon doesn't ask for riches or fame. Instead, Solomon says to God, I want wisdom and knowledge. And specifically, I want wisdom and knowledge to be able to lead the people that you've entrusted me with. And God said to Solomon, because that's what you asked for, that's what you're going to get. And on top of that, you're going to receive riches and fame and, and all of that. Now, I think if we're honest with ourselves, in every season that we're in, we need more wisdom and knowledge than the previous season. I look back over the last 20 years in a full-time ministry, and I'll tell you that without a doubt, I'm wiser today than what I was 20 years ago. One person in first service said amen. No people in second service said amen. I'm not saying that I've arrived or that I have achieved it. 
What I'm saying is that life experience has made me wiser today than what I was 20 years ago. I'll also tell you that the challenges that we face today are exponentially more difficult than what they were when we faced. And I believe that even some of you who, I'm 42 years old, some of you who are 22 years old are facing challenges in, in, in a way that I didn't face those challenges when I was your age. And the bottom line is this, no matter what your age is in this room this morning, whatever season that we're in, we need more knowledge and we need more wisdom than the previous season that we're in. And so uh, even though I've gained loads of wisdom and knowledge in order to continue to do what God has called me to do, right? I love Solomon's prayer. God, give me wisdom and knowledge on how to lead these people that you've entrusted me with. And, and I'm telling you, that's my prayer. God, give me wisdom and knowledge to lead this group of people that you've entrusted me with, right? And I'm not even talking about just our church. I'm talking about my beautiful wife and my kids. God, give me wisdom and give me knowledge. What a prayer for all of us to pray. I hope that none of us will get stuck thinking that we've arrived or that we've achieved all of the knowledge and, and wisdom that we need, but we'll recognize that there's still more to learn. I hope all of us will have that self-awareness that, uh, that there's more wisdom and knowledge that we can gain. In Acts chapter 1, the, the early church finds themselves in this crossroads. They've not just heard about, but have experienced the in-person ministry of Jesus. They would have seen Jesus. They would have experienced his miracles. They would have heard his teachings straight from him. They would have gone through the emotion of Jesus' crucifixion and his death, thinking that everything was over. Author Caitlin Beatty wrote, after the crucifixion, his ministry might have looked like a failure. What an absurd way for a life to end. The disciples were sad and scared, perhaps a bit embarrassed that their spiritual leader was killed. Their spiritual project, all for naught, Yet through the way of the cross, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, 9 and 11, if you're taking notes. Then they would have dealt with the emotion of his resurrection and the joy that would have ensued from that. But their emotions wouldn't get to settle there. They've witnessed the, the death and the burial, the crucifixion of Jesus and the, the resurrection and emotionally responded to all of that and now they're dealing with the ascension of Jesus. And so here are these moments. Jesus is with us. Jesus is dead. Jesus is risen and is with us and alive and now Jesus is alive, but he's no longer with us. What an emotional roller coaster. And before he ascended into heaven, he told these people to wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit and said these words that it'll actually be better for him to be gone than for him to stay. How do you respond to all of that? How do you process all of that? In addition, Acts chapter 1 tells and records of a story of, of one of their own that betrayed Jesus and betrayed them. And so in all of this, they're having to wrestle through it. And, and Acts chapter 1 also reveals that people are believing that Jesus is, is going to be some kind of political savior and shift the power back to the Jews. The teacher's commentary said they had visions of the Messiah rescuing them from Gentile dominion and giving them the exalted political and military position promised by the Old Testament prophets. 
Jesus' death had been doubly shocking to his followers. Not only had they loved him, but they had also firmly expected him to crush Rome's political and military power and to establish Israel as the dominant world power. I think all of us would say when you combine all of these things, it's a lot. And how do you respond to all of it? I'll tell you what they didn't do. They didn't drown themselves in a bottle of booze until they were in a drunken stupor. They didn't take prescription pain meds to numb the pain. They didn't turn to psychics or angel whispers. They didn't consult rocks or crystals. They didn't dive more into work. They didn't binge on Netflix TV shows or movies or pornography. Instead, what they did, Acts chapter 1, verse number 14, says that these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Think about the most intense season of your life. How did you respond and what did you do? Can I encourage you moving forward to do what they did and look to God in prayer? It says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. What a response. And undoubtedly, one of the most confusing moments in their life, they refused to turn to something that might would only lead to temporal relief. They turned to God in prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And they didn't question in the dark what God had revealed to them in the light. Here's what Jesus said to them. In verse number four of Acts chapter one, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. He tells them to stay in Jerusalem and to wait for this promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you this morning, if you've never had that experience, I would encourage you to be open to it and to seek it. He tells them that they'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them to be his witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so they have this emotional roller coaster that culminates at this moment. Jesus is with them. And now telling them about this gift and how it's going to help them advance the gospel to every corner of the globe. And as they hear these words and as they're processing it, they're looking ahead. How many of you have ever been walking and talking with somebody and you look back and you realize that you're not talking to that person anymore because that person's way back there? You're talking to somebody else, or worse yet, you're talking to yourself and people think you're crazy. This is the moment that the disciples are having. They're processing all of this, and now Jesus, poof, disappears and disappears behind a cloud. He's no longer there. They had him, then they didn't, then they had him again, and now they're once again without him. In verse number 12 of Acts chapter 1, we pick up, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. 
Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, which is not my last name. It's Bartholo. You can see how it gets confused. And, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. What they did in the moment of uncertainty was to return to what was certain. They were going to pray to a certain God who would certainly hear their prayers, and he did. In unity, they devoted themselves in prayer and undoubtedly prayed for wisdom and knowledge for the days ahead. Verse number 14 says that they were in one accord. Remember, it was a room that they were in, not a car. Mm. You know what I want to do is when you don't laugh, I just want to preach longer. <laughs> oh, now you laugh. Now you laugh. Yes, it was not a Honda Accord. It was, yeah, moving on. The phrase with one accord is a single Greek word, and the word means to be of one mind. And according to the outline of biblical usage, it says that the image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. What an image. And so they've gathered. They're waiting and they're praying. They're having to sort some things out in prayer. How many of you have ever had to sort some things out in prayer? The disciples had hoped that the next step for Jesus would be restoring the kingdom to Israel. Jesus made it clear that that wasn't going to happen. Instead, they were going to receive power to be his witnesses. Jesus didn't do what they thought or hoped that he would do, and their response was not to quit, but instead to walk in obedience, to humble themselves and pray and seek his face. So they gathered for prayer, and then Peter addresses them in verse number 15. He says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And he said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Peter added context to the tragedy that had happened. No matter what, it still had a sting. And Peter reminds them that this had to happen in order for the prophecies to be fulfilled. The next verse says that Judas was one of them. It says in verse 17, for he was numbered among us. He was allotted his share in this ministry. He goes on in graphic detail to tell us what happened to Judas. In verse number 18, now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle. All his bowels gushed out and became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called field of blood. For it was written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. Peter begins to lead them with the next steps to follow the word. Verse 21, he says, so one of the men who've accompanied us during all that time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was also called Justice. Thank you for just naming your kid one name. It was three, if you were counting. And Matthias. They know what needs to be done. And with the uncertainty of the future, 
They walk in obedience and they pray. They said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. After spending some time in prayer, the disciples were able to reach consensus and take the next step. And considering the the Lord ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured upon them, this is an incredible testimony to the power of prayer. When God's people pray for wisdom, God responds in real ways. How many times, how many of you have ever walked into a store not knowing where the item is that you need and refused to ask for help? Can I just see a show of hands this morning? Yeah. So this past week, my wife sent me to a grocery store to buy her some soup, and I, I won't name the store, but I'll just say hi, y'all. Um, and I, I, it's catching up, like some of you, you know, do I need to say what the last part of that rhymes with for you to catch on? Yee! Uh, <laughs> so she sends me to that place to go, to go find some soup, and I walk around the entire store, I kid you not. Every aisle looking for this soup. In my own wisdom, in my own knowledge, I think that I'm walking to the place that surely, certainly has this soup. Finally, I'm at my wit's end, I kid you not. So I walk to the front of the store to look for somebody to ask the question of where is this soup? When to my surprise, at the cash registers, there was the soup. Of course it was. Why wouldn't it be at the front of the store by the cash register? How dumb of me to think that it would be somewhere else. In my own wisdom and in my own knowledge, I was incapable of fulfilling the mission that my wife had sent me on. And I'm just telling you that in the day and age that we're living in, the church is incapable of fulfilling the mission that God has called her to without his wisdom, and without his knowledge. Had I asked somebody, I could have saved a lot of time. And I'm just telling you that right now, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission. That every second, of every minute, of every day, people's eternities are at stake. As we reflect on this passage, the early church was powerless to accomplish the mission that Jesus laid before him. The days were uncertain in the waiting. They expected Jesus to remove the ruling political party and make them in charge, and it didn't happen. And without them being the ruling party, they were told that in the face of persecution to amp up their efforts in advancing the gospel. They had seen the betrayal of a friend and a fellow minister. These were trying times. I think most of us could agree that the past few years have been a trying time for all of us. Political unrest, devastation, destruction, wars, racial tensions, COVID, recession, and the list goes on. Some have turned to unhealthy means to cope, but God's calling you out of that today and giving you an invitation. I believe these are the three invitations that God's giving us this morning. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For some of you who've been trying to do this all in your own, in your own wisdom, in your own knowledge today, God's giving you an invitation to quit leaning on your own understanding and to lean into his understanding. To come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he's going to give you rest. Some of you need peace in your spirit and your soul, and Jesus has given the invitation this morning right now for you to experience that. I believe the second invitation that God's giving us is the invitation to seek his face and to pray and ask for wisdom and for knowledge. All of us need it. And finally, he's given us the invitation to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be empowered to be his witnesses. Now more than ever, this is what we need. And I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you've been leaning on your own understanding. You've been far from God. You've been an enemy of the cross of Christ. And you say, today, I want to leave that identity and become a follower of Jesus. I don't want to be a child of wrath anymore. I want to be a child of God. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I want to lean on his understanding. I want to surrender all that I am. I want to ask for forgiveness for my sin and leave that in the past and walk in the freedom that he has for me for my present and for my future. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. You say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see those hands. One, two, three. You can put them down. Are there others this morning? Let's stand all across this room. There were at least three hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning, I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God wants to take you on. If you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We leave time at the end of each of our services for the prayer team to come to the front. The worship team is going to lead us in another song. And today, if you've come in here needing prayer for anything, 
I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and make your way to the front as the worship team begins to sing this song. Let me pray over us before that happens. God, thank you so much for your word, for the light that it is to us and for the example that it sets. God, we thank you that we can humble ourselves, that we can pray and seek your face, that we can turn from our wicked ways and that you hear us when we pray. God, we're grateful. So this morning, Lord, I pray for those that have come in who, who still are just holding back, still not quite ready to surrender their lives completely to you. Lord, I pray that in this moment that it would be a moment of complete surrender. We thank you for the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, that believers would be empowered to be your witnesses. And Lord, we know that you're still moving in that way. And so for those who have not had an experience of that, would you place a hunger and a thirst for that? And Lord, would you pour out your Spirit in a mighty and a powerful way in our church? God, would we be people who, who in unity seek your face? And would you give us wisdom and would you give us knowledge to discern the days in which we're living and to be able to lead people to you. We thank you for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.